glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Well, amen. I certainly count it an honor and a privilege to be a part of this special occasion. This is a great event. This is a wonderful thing. This is something that we ought to just totally rejoice in and praise God for. God doing this wonderful thing through the life of Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and the lives of Brother Chris and Christy King and their family. Um, We did meet the Kings in 2004 over at Clark Fork Baptist Church and preaching a meeting there for Brother Ward. I hope Brother Ward's watching right now. Hope he's not eating right now. Hope he's watching and uh, from heaven. And uh, Brother Ward had invited us to come up. Or he was uh, one of the missionaries that my church in Tennessee supported. He'd asked me to come preach for him, and we did. And, and uh, I remember there was a little old bus sitting out there in that parking lot that needed a driver. And we challenged the church uh, to somebody to surrender to that. And Brother Chris came running down the aisle. He told me later, he said he did that. He was afraid somebody's going to beat him to it. And he was just so ignorant of things, he just didn't know. Uh, he was in a Baptist church. Uh, but uh, that was, I remember meeting them then, and they were so excited about doing something for the Lord. And, and uh, it's been a thrill to watch them grow in the Lord over these years, watch their family grow, watch Brother Chris grow gray-headed. It's been a... Great thrill. I'm not gray-headed yet, and I'm just thrilled in that. And uh, But it's been a blessing, and uh, they're very near and uh, dear to our hearts, just like our own family. And, of course, this church is very near and dear to our hearts also. And uh, so we're just, just glad to be in on it. Amen. And uh, good to see a lot of familiar faces here tonight. And uh, so let's let's get into this thing. I promised my son-in-law, Brian, that I would leave him plenty of time to preach. He knew I was lying, but he acted like he believed me anyway. So Acts chapter 13 this evening, if you will. Acts chapter 13. Uh, isn't it good to be saved? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade being saved for all the money in the world. Thank God for being saved and knowing it. That's a, that's a blessing too, and knowing it. Acts chapter 13 tonight. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture concerning the subject of missions. I want to read here just four verses, and then we'll pray. And you please pray with me. The Lord direct my thoughts and words tonight, and God would do something in our midst. It would be wonderful if someone that's here tonight's not saved. They'd get saved before the night's over. And maybe someone here needs to surrender tonight. Give the Lord your heart and your life and let Him use it as He would see fit. You'll never be sorry. Amen. Amen. So let's look here. The Bible said, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence sailed 
to Cyprus. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful tonight for this opportunity to be gathered together tonight with your people. We're so thankful for so many people that have come tonight on behalf of the King family to show their support and their love for them. And dear God, we just thank you for all that you've done uh, for them and through them in these past few months. And we praise your holy name. And Lord, we pray now as we attempt to preach this message as a charge to this church, that God, you would help us and enable us, Lord, and may each heart receive what you'd have for them. And we'll thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the book of the Acts of the Apostles is a very exciting book. Someone said that Acts is short for action, and uh, it's action just page after page after page in, in that book. But it not only records for us the beginning of the church, uh, but it also records for us the beginning of world missions, as we have seen here in the, these scriptures. G. Campbell Morgan said he believed that these few verses we just read was the watershed for the book of Acts. God moves through the book of Acts in, uh, in three phases. He In Acts chapter 1 uh, through chapter 7, the church is established at Jerusalem. In Acts chapters 8 through 12, the church is scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Then Acts chapter 13, where we're reading tonight through chapter 21, uh, the church is sent uh, unto the uttermost. And of course, that was God's plan from the beginning. And it's interesting to see how God worked and moved to make that happen. And uh, it's a blessing to see that. There's also a change of emphasis throughout the book of Acts. Acts has been called a transitional book. Uh, but you have an emphasis, uh, a change in the emphasis of location in the book of Acts from, from Jerusalem uh, to eventually Antioch. Antioch becomes the central part uh, of spiritual activity. You have a change from uh, emphasis on those who listen, the listeners of the preaching from the Jews uh, to the Gentiles. And you also have a change of leadership uh, from the Apostle Peter uh, to the Apostle Paul. And even the closer from Barnabas, as you study a little further, you'll see that God transitioned the leadership of Barnabas in the partnership of Barnabas and Paul uh, to eventually Paul became uh, the spiritual leader. So there's things moving and progressing. You know, it's just like our lives. God moves and, and moves things along and changes emphasis in different ways. And if we'll cooperate with Him, uh, then we'll get to exactly where God wants us to be. Uh, the first missionary movement and the first local church, uh, came out of and became, uh, came from this location called Antioch. I believe this local church was a very important church. Very important. And I want us to think about this church at Antioch for a few minutes tonight as, as, as you think as Bonners Ferry Baptist Church about what kind of church this was that sent out the first, uh, worldwide missionaries, if you please. You're sending out, this is a first for you. Sad to say, this is a first that many local churches never get to. That's a sad thing. I believe it's God's will for every church to be a sending church. Amen. And Antioch was a sending church. But let's look here for a minute. Go back to chapter 11. And I'm going to have to get a sip of water because that smoked pork that we had downstairs is making me thirsty. Go back to Acts chapter 11. 
And I want us to look at the spiritual foundation of the church at Antioch. Just a, a few simple observations here tonight. But I believe that you'll be able to identify with them. In Acts chapter 11, verse 19, the Bible said, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and of Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Let me just point out a couple things about the spiritual foundation of this church. First of all, according to verse 20 and 21, the foundation of this church was based upon the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Amen. He's the foundation of every church. I said this week, if Jesus Christ is not the foundation upon which everything else is built upon, it's not the Lord's church. And thank God tonight they had a they had a right foundation. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ was preached. And then the Bible said in verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them. We find that God was working in this church. That's a blessed thing. God works in and through the local church. And it's a sad thing when people gather together in the name of church and God's not working at all. But here we find very clearly God was working through that church. As a result of that, people were getting saved. Souls were saved. Isn't that a blessed thing? Then I want you to notice the Bible says in verse 25 and 20, or in verse 26, and when they had found him, brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. The people of God were faithfully assembling themselves together. That's a blessed thing. Amen. I believe it's good. Uh, for people to get it settled in their mind. Once they've saved and get involved, it be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, be there every service you can for the special events. Get in with both feet. And they assembled. Then I find not only were they assembling faithfully, but the Word of God was being taught. Constantly when they were coming together, the emphasis was on the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Then I want you to notice the people's lives were transformed. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible said that the people of God there uh, were first called Christians at Antioch. 
because of the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God and their faithful attendance to hear it and apply it to their lives, it changed their lives. That's a good foundation. Amen. Then I want you to notice something else about this church I thought was a blessed thing. The Bible said when they got word that there was problems with their brothers and sisters over in Jerusalem and they needed help. Here's a group of people, fairly new converts, many of them just been saved a year or so, and now they're sharing the blessings of God with others. They're helping to meet the needs of others. They're not a selfish church. They're a giving church. They're a sacrificing church. They're seeing the need to do and the opportunity to do good unto others, and they take advantage of it. So it's a giving church, a gospel-preaching church, a place where God was at work in a powerful way, where lives were changed for the glory of God. People were faithful to the things of God. That's a good foundation. May I just say right here, that sounds like Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church to me. That's the truth. Listen, you don't need to look at that and say, boy, that's something way out there in the distance that can't happen today. My friend, it is happening right here in this place. Thank God some 14 years ago this church was 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 begun and it's been built upon the right foundation. It's been built and centered upon the preaching of the gospel, the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the study and the teaching of the Word, encouraging people to follow the Lord by faith, give their lives, give of their substance, don't be selfish, live for God. And God has God has done that in this church. This is the pattern. Church in Antioch was the pattern. And by the grace of God and the goodness of God, you folks have followed that pattern. You're to be commended for that. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Look at their spiritual foundation. Then I want you to notice their sending forth. Again, back in chapter 13. Just some simple thoughts here. I want you to notice, first of all, I think it's very, very important. And I've been around here all week long, and I'll tell you, it's you can sense it. You're around here just a little while, you can sense it. There was a tremendous unity at the church at Antioch. There was tremendous unity. There was unity in the midst of their diversity. What do you mean by that? When you look at the men here in verse 1 that are named here, uh, the Bible said there were certain prophets and teachers such as as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. I don't have time to go into all these men's lives, but here are men from different walks of life, different backgrounds, different cultures, even different colors. But they're working together in unity as one. Isn't that a wonderful thing? There was unity in the midst of their diversity. That is one of the plans for the local church in the mind of God. We all come from different walks of life and different ideas and different backgrounds but we come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ under His headship. And my friend, we can be diverse as we want to be and yet be unified because we're unified in Jesus Christ. That's what that church was. Not only that, but they were there was unity in their ministry. The Bible said, as they ministered to the Lord. I like that phrase. They ministered to the Lord. Didn't say they ministered to the people. Didn't say they ministered to the community. It didn't say they ministered to one another, even though I believe they did all of that. But what they did ultimately, they ministered to the Lord. What they did, they did as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was unity. 
because every one of them set about giving, putting their lives in order to where what they did, whether they ate or drank or whatsoever they did, they did all to the glory of God. They did it because Christ was their Savior, because Jesus Christ deserved the glory and honor and the service and the sacrifice of those who had been saved by the grace of God. What a blessed thing when people minister to the Lord in unison. That's the kind of church it was. Not only that, I see unity in their sensitivity. Notice it says again, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them. You realize that all these men here that the Holy Ghost of God spoke to and said, Separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I've called them to, Every single one of them heard the Spirit of God speak. Every one of them were in agreement with the Spirit of God. There was no division about whether Paul and Barnabas should be sent out. Every single one of them were sensitive to the Spirit of God speaking to their hearts. How we need that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every member of every church was that sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God speaking? Amen. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And God designed this thing for all of us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. All of us to be able to hear, thus saith the Lord God. There was no grieving of the Spirit of God in this church. There was no quenching of the Spirit of God in this church. There was no resisting of the Spirit of God in this church. My friend, when the Spirit of God spoke, they all were sensitive, they all heard it, and they all said, Amen. I think. If I'd been there, I'd have said it. Amen. There's unity in their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, that is a must. That is a must. If God's going to bless and God's going to use the local church, the people of God must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We cannot make it without Him. Amen. Notice something else. They were sensitive in their activity, unity or unity, unified in their activity. Notice the Bible said they fasted and they prayed and they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. They were unified in their spiritual activity. Everybody was praying. The church wasn't riding on the prayer life of two or three saints. Amen. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't uh, existing and surviving uh, based on the fasting of just a couple people. The church was praying. The church was fasting. The church was listening. And the church was in agreement. They laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul and Paul. They were unified in their spiritual activity. I've been around here this week. I've been around here many times. This week in particular, I've sensed the unity in this local body. I've sensed the unity of, of God's people in Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church. I'll tell you, it's been a joy to be here. And it wasn't because I was preaching. I, it was a joy to be here because of this church. It's been a thrill. I'm telling you, it's just been a breath of fresh air for me to sense the unity and see the unity of God's people here in, in their diversity and yet 
with the mind of Christ and with the will of God in mind. To see them unified in their ministering and desiring to see the will of God fulfilled in this church and through this church and through the King family. See their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and listen to and, and see God work in their lives and them responding to the Spirit of God speaking to them. And then seeing them in unison when it comes to sending out one of the choice, the two of the choice servants of this whole church and sending them forth, releasing them, letting them go with their blessing. Now, I believe that laying on of hands was not a, a magical thing, but I believe it was, uh, it was an, it was an act of identification. It was an act of identification. It was saying, listen, brother, we're with you. We may not go with you physically, but we're going to go with you. We're going to get, we're going to be praying for you after you're gone. We're still going to pray for you. We're still going to fast for you. We're still going to, we're still going to bring you before God. And I believe they were saying, listen, we're identified you with you. You're one of us and you're going to do what God's called us all to do. We're all in agreement. I've not heard one person say, you know, I just don't think it's the will of God for the kings to lead. Maybe their mom and dad, I don't know about that. <laughs> but there's been unity here. There's sadness, but there's gladness. Brother, Brother Chris, I said, boy, these preachers, some of them, Brother McCurdy drove, drove 300 miles. You've got some preachers that are really eager to see you get out of here. <laughs> but isn't it wonderful? No fighting about it. Nobody saying, you know, like that, that family, they... They shouldn't be going. They have no business going. They're not qualified to go. I don't think there's a member of this church believes that for one minute. Amen, church. Amen. So I see church. I see the church here, just like this church of Antioch, sending forth, and the unity, the sweet, wonderful unity here. Then I want you to notice one more thing. I want you to notice their steadfast faith. Go if you would, Acts chapter 14. Well, let's read again chapter 4, or verse 4, chapter 13. So they, that's Barnabas and, and, uh, and Paul, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And what you have here is the beginning of what Bible teachers call Paul's first missionary journey. And if you go to chapter 14 and uh, verse 25, Chapter 14 and verse 25. Now they're coming down to the end of Paul's first missionary journey. And the Bible said in verse 25, And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Adalia and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended. Where they done? They went back home. They've made full circle. Amen? And they then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how He had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. You know, when that church laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul, I believe one of the things they were saying was, we trust you. 
We trust you to go out and preach the gospel wherever God sends you, just like you've heard it preached here. Amen. We trust you to go out and minister to the Lord wherever He takes you, just like you saw it ministered to here. We trust you to faithfully assemble wherever you go, just like you did here. We trust you to learn and continue to learn the Word of God, just like you did while you were here. We trust you to let God continue to transform your life to make you more like Christ, just like you did here. We trust you to keep a giving spirit, an unselfish spirit, a spirit of service about you, just like you had when you were here. You know what? When Paul and Barnabas came back, I think the church got an earful. And they began to share about preaching the gospel and seeing the hand of the Lord work and souls getting saved and God doing mighty things. And they just went on and on and on and on and on. And the church, I believe, was thrilled to death that their trust had not been misplaced. Amen? Now, my charge to this church tonight is this. This Paul's missionary journey lasted some time around three to four years. We're not sure exactly how long he was gone. But when he came back, he came back to the same kind of church that he had left. And my challenge to you and charge to you tonight, church, is Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church, when the King family come back sometime or another, four, five, three, four, five years from now, whenever God brings them back, do they deserve to come back and find the same kind of church that they left? We're putting the, You're putting your trust in them not to change. Should they not be able to put their trust in you as a church not to change? Listen, I've talked to many missionaries over the years that, suffered the heartache of coming home on furlough, coming back to their home church and saying, I can't go back there anymore. What a sad thing. Let me caution you, church. It can happen to Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church. It can happen. Amen. And if the devil has anything to do with it, it will happen. But it doesn't have to happen. And it will be up to you, not just your pastor. It will be up to you as a church to see to it that when they come back on furlough, that they can come back with great joy and they can come back and say, Man alive, we want to stay a long time. We've come home. We've come back and they're still preaching out of the King James Bible. We come back and they're still singing the the right kind of songs. Amen. We come back and they don't have the ceiling painted black with strobe lights and smoke on the platform. We come back and they've still got a pulpit of wood, not a bar stool. Come back and they're still dressed modestly. 
not half naked. Come back and the people act like they respect the house of God rather than coming in like a bunch of slobs, like they're going to a nightclub. Amen. Come back to a church that still has a, a desire to see souls saved and a desire to hear from the Word of God and a desire to see the Spirit of God work in people's lives and a desire to see people surrender themselves and sin some more. It's up to you, church. It'd be better for God to shut your doors than for them to come back in a few years and that all be changed. Amen. I've got confidence in Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church, though. As long as you keep your hearts right with God individually, your pastor keeps his heart right with God. Because that's what you've been doing so far. And you can stay on that course. Amen. You deserve for this man to be faithful to what he's been called to do. But this man and his family deserve for this church to continue in what God's called them to do. Amen.